You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 27, A Banner Year. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that drops a boot off the top rope. <laughs> I am Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. And that bastard Raven Perez. He's back. I'm back. He's back. Work permitting. <laughs> so we're back again uh, for another episode. It's been a while. I don't. I think we were last time. Last time we recorded was back in December when we interviewed Eric. Um, been a little bit slow with the new issue coming out, but uh, hopefully that just means it's going to get ahead. You know what this means? We're bringing the love in time for Valentine's Day. <laughs> that sounds like a good re- enough reason as any. <laughs> so this this episode, we, of course, we don't have an issue to talk about, and we don't have uh, anyone famous to interview. So uh, what we're going to do instead later on is we're going to talk about our favorite Savage Dragon moments of 2013. Yes, and there's, there's a good amount of them. <laughs> A sweet year. Yeah, it was. A lot happened, and a lot is happening. There's a lot to talk about. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah. So, but before we get to that, we should get to the Eric Larson news. All right. What do we got? Yeah. So we got some pretty good news. Uh, Chris Burnham is going to draw a backup story in Savage Dragon 200. Uh, Burnham is most known for his uh, awesome artwork on Batman Incorporated, which uh, Grant Morrison writes, the uh, Joe Casey one-shot Officer Down, which was published through Image. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, you know, a lot of Image fans' introduction to him. Of course, he's going to be illustrating a backup for Savage Dragon 200, which is awesome. He's a fantastic artist. And, you know, we don't have a lot of details on 200, so this is the first little, like, trickle of info. Uh, but it was a video interview he did with Comic Book Resources, and he talks about, you know, uh, being a fan. He lets out a minor detail of the upcoming backup. It's definitely a, a must-watch because once they start talking around minute 17, it goes all the way to the end of the interview with uh, Larson and Savage Dragon stuff. So it's pretty cool. Uh, the backup seems like it's going to take place in Dimension X, possibly featuring Alternate Angel and Mr. Glum. It's going to be written by Eric Larson. And you can find the link to the video at dragonfan.net. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched about that. I, I love his art. I was a big fan of Officer Down. Didn't buy Batman Incorporated just because I, I just don't get into that. Um, but I saw his art on you know all the covers and stuff like that, and it looks really cool. I think he also has like an, a new image book coming out with Grant Morrison. Wasn't that in the the kind? Of, wasn't that with that whole like pretty much most of that comic book resources article was about? I think it was. Um, I, I bought Batman Inc. and uh, for him, even more uh-huh. than Morrison at that point. Yeah. Even though I'm a Morrison fan, I wasn't really in love with like what he was doing with Batman. But uh, 
uh, Burnham is kicking ass on Batman. So, I mean, it's it's amazing what he does, and uh, I can't wait to see this backup. It's going to be fantastic. Ba- Batman, you say, Batman Incorporated's over now, right? Oh, is it? Mm, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think it is over. Decorporated. <laughs> he had a uh, didn't he have some kind of Craig uh, some kind of teaser on Twitter, a Twitter tease? Yeah. Um, today, which actually recording on February fifth, he just released something. So if you go on his Chris Burnham Twitter page, look up like uh, February fifth date, and there's a like a li- real small kind of. Tw- uh, teaser image. It shows like Glum World and some kind of looks like giant Dimension X mutant monster. It looks kind of, it looks really cool actually. It's definitely got, you know, me pretty excited for this backup. So we'll see. I mean, we're, we're talking about 200 is how many issues away now? Seven issues or? I'm going to say fourth, fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. So it will come fast. You know, it'll be pretty crazy. Yeah. Coming fast. So excited. So, so on, the, on the road to issue 200, uh, Eric has released the cover to Savage Dragon 197. Yeah, he just posted on. it up on his Facebook. Uh, it's got the cover. has got Malcolm Dragon, but he's got like his, his mouth is like like huge vampire fangs. Um, it's just Some his head. kind of fangs. Yeah, he looks kind of like gorilla-esque or something. Yeah. I don't know. Just like mutant. like. That's, I definitely got a gorilla vibe from it, which I don't know how well that's going to play. I think we would be remiss, gentlemen, if we did not speculate. Right. I It's it's weird. I, you know, on one hand, it's like, uh, didn't we kind of go through this with Virus and Dragon just recently? You know, I guess not recently, but yeah. I hope it's something totally different, you know. But, well, that was, that was my first impression. Is that is it virus? Are we getting more virus stuff? But it doesn't really look like virus because it doesn't have the tongue. Right, right. It's just, but I mean, on the same whole, like you, you know, the lead character mutated into some hideous monster type thing. Right. Yeah. May I hazard a guess? Go ahead. Hazard away. Two words. Belco chemicals. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Maybe his fangs are mutating. He does live in the slums. Right, right, right. Maybe Eric's going to revisit that. Because that, that whole storyline was kind of... I think we talked about it in our last interview with Eric. It was just kind of wrapped up rather quickly. It seems like there should be still something lingering on with that. You never know. I mean, I could be totally wrong. It's fun to right. guess. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's, it's hard. This, this, the, I'm not really thrilled about this cover. I find it... Just the big focus on his head, it's not very interesting. Do you think it would stand out on the stands, though? I I, mean, I, I don't know, honestly. I just I just find it found the 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 composition to be kind of eh. <laughs> not my favorite cover of the year. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely an intention getter, though. You can't. You see that, and you're like, "What the heck is that?" You know, crazy think, uh, freakish think, monster face. Yeah, I think it's definitely. I mean. I'll agree with, I guess, the uh, split the difference. I totally agree that, like, there could be more going on as a cover. But, I mean, when you're in this, you know, in the shop and it's on the shelf, if you're that damn lucky. <laughs> and no, yeah. no store carries extra copies of Savage Dragon. But if you're in the store and you see this thing on the shelf, like, you know, you're going to look at it. You know, it's going right. to stand out. Right, right. 
Cool. So shall we uh, jump into our uh, trivia segment? We should. I, I believe I have a bit of tid. A bit of a, what? A tiny little, a tiny little tease. I, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a bit of information that I. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to hint and allude at. Not really news. But this is just a little bit of a teaser. Nick Justice of Jesus E. Lee fame. And episode zero of the Savage Fincast. <laughs> Sworn one day to return and destroy us all. He, uh, he is, there's been some rumblings, some strange visual anomalies on his Facebook page. One might have seen something as ludicrous as Thor being attacked by Star. So, uh, those sound pretty ludicrous. My theory is that uh, Star ate a bowl of stupid pills that morning. Thought so he'd try his luck. Are you thinking we might see a backup from uh, said person? I would say, if I was a gambling man, hmm. that the odds would be ever in his favor. The gambling man that likes the Hunger Games. Sweet, we'll have to keep an eye out on that. Well, let's just say that uh, it's rare the artist that draws stuff just for fun. Right, right, right. He's probably, yeah. <laughs> he's we'll probably have to not look into that stuff. more. We might, we might see. Keep your eyes open, that's all I'm saying. Cool. You might see a collaboration between a number of Savage Dragon well-known creators. Just keep your eyes to the skies, listeners. We're done. That's over. Teaser over. <laughs> cool. So let's get into trivia. Trivia. We uh, we skipped it last episode because we had the interview with Eric, and we wanted to get straight into the interview. Priorities. Priorities, <laughs> priorities. So um, we'll... The last time we gave out a question was episode 25. So episodes 25, 25's question was, in which issue of Savage Dragon did Dragon discover the corpse of Terry Fitzgerald? For those uh, who may not know, Terry was Al Simmons, a.k.a. Spawn's former best friend. So we got a good number of uh, reply responses. I'm going to go through them all real quick. Uh, we had Joe Gillespie who said, Hey guys, first I just want to say how much I have been enjoying the podcast. It's been really helpful as I jump back into the series after some time off the book. You are all constantly filling in the blanks and answering some of the questions that I have from time to time. I think I knew this one right off the bat because it stuck out when I reread it not that long ago. In issue 78, Dragon stumbles across his corpse in a grocery or Woolworths type store. Hope I'm right. May not even be too late since I think the podcast went live only yesterday. Thanks for the show. It's good stuff. Well, thank you for listening, Joe. We appreciate it. And Joe, def- he got that right. Um, so, oh, and uh, just to remind everybody, I think when we first started doing this trivia, we were kind of giving the prize to the first person to answer, and we've kind of switched that up, and now it's, you know, we take everyone that gives us the right answer, we throw you in a, throw your name in a hat, and we pick out a name just so, you know, we give everybody a chance, and I think it's a little more fair that way and encourages more people to, to write in. Um, so don't be afraid to write in. You always have the chance Exactly, to right. Exactly. Next person to write in was John Panozzi. Uh He said, the issue where Dragon finds a corpse of Terry Fitzgerald is Savage Dragon 78. Also, let us not forget that Terry Fitzgerald was named after a real-life friend of Todd McFarlane, who has basically been Todd's right-hand man at Todd McFarlane Productions since the beginning. Cool trivia. 
Yeah, I thought they had like a falling out or something at some point. I don't know. Oh, those Recently. rock star comic stars. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, next, there's a letter from Matt Kind. Uh, he says, Dragon found Terry Fitzgerald's body in Savage Dragon 78. Dragon comes across his body in a grocery store. He'd been crushed by a shelf. Dragon stole his pants, shoes, and some money. That he did. You know, you guys are blowing <laughs> my mind because I was sitting here thinking, wait a minute, what? What, 78, huh? That really paints – I remember that sequence now. That <laughs> yeah. was Terry Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Famous pants. I mean, I didn't know it. Uh, another letter from Will Poe dear Jim Craig and Raven Dragon found the long deceased Terry Fitzgerald in Savage Dragon 78 not only did he find him but he stole his pants shoes and a few bucks he had in his wallet desperate times call for desperate measures I love the show guys I'm apparently the only guy in Baton Rouge who reads Savage Dragon my local shop is the only one in the city and is nice enough that they order one single copy for me every month with that being the case, I don't have anyone to rave about how much I love it afterwards. I look forward to the show every month to hear what other dragon lovers think. What are the chances of Eric coming on again soon? I'd love to hear what he has to say about the upcoming issues now that Malcolm is taking over for good. Keep up the good work, fellas. Well, I, you know, hopefully we pleased Will by having Eric on last episode. Um, I know he probably wrote in before we uh, published yep. that episode, but... Um, there you have it. We aim to please. Make your wishes come true. It was a fan <laughs> as a listener. I got to be in the listener's seat for that one. Fantastic job, fellas. It's uh, you know, it's it's just pure bliss when Eric comes on. It's just fun. There's no, you know, it, there's no work involved. Just let Eric talk and just keep asking him questions. And he's such a gracious guest, and he humors us by answering everything we throw at him. Um, and then lastly, uh, Gavin Higginbotham wrote in, uh, he wrote over two months late, but I don't think you've read the answers out yet. Terry Fitzgerald's corpse was Savage Dragon 78 and Dragon stole his pants, wallets and shoes. What an effing jerk. <laughs> I didn't say that. He was saying that about <laughs> just to clarify. I wasn't calling Gavin an effing jerk. <laughs> Gavin was calling Dragon an effing jerk. And, of course, Gavin's disqualified for being uh, editor-in-chief. Also, it lets you know that in an apocalyptic setting, you could expect to see pantsless Gavin amongst all the animals. Because <laughs> he's not going to loot the dead. No. He's made that clear. <laughs> only, effing, only effing jerks do that. Right, right. Um, so, I... Put all the names out and picked a winner, and Joe Gillespie is the lucky winner of the trivia this month. He wins uh, the G-Man Cape Crisis Trade Collection by Chris Giarusso, which features uh, Savage Dragon in those pages from, uh, if you remember, the Savage Dragon uh, backup in 150 with G-Man, where Eric drew Savage Dragon and Chris G drew all the G-Man characters. That's collected in this trade. So, uh, Joe, send us uh, your contact information and we'll get your prize out to you. Thanks that for is, listening. That is a sweet, sweet prize. You're a lucky dog. Um, so, let's talk about this episode's trivia question. So, the question for this episode is from 2005 through to 2008, 
and for a short stint in 2010, Eric Larson wrote a weekly column for one of the larger comic book news websites. What was the name of the column? Send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com. We'll read your letters on the next episode, and one winner will be chosen from all the correct entries to get their choice of either the Eric Larson variant edition of Jersey Gods number five or the complete four-issue star miniseries from 1995. Your choice. So if you don't have that star miniseries, go for that. (laughs) It's a good read. Way to steer their choices. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's, uh, let's... Let's go to the, the meat of this episode and talk about our our favorite uh, Savage Dragon moments of 2013. There shall sure we? were a lot of them. A year that, if it happened in any other comic series, would be a banner year. A run yeah. that people would talk about forever and ever. A lot of ha- a lot of stuff a lot happened. happened this year. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. I, I was think, uh, I was actually skimming all the issues before the episode, and I just and I realized that from the start of this year to the end of well, from the start of the the year to the end of the year, it was like this one big long epic, really. Yeah, I mean, it's so we're talking about issues like one eighty four to one ninety two, right? And it's mostly you know focused on Savage Dragon on trial and his kind of. Uh, Adventures in jail, and then kind of Malcolm and Angel coping in the outside world. And I got to say that Dragon in Jail is probably one of my all-time favorite. If you want to call it a story arc, yeah, story arc in the series so far. It's just it was really exciting. It was like something that you just knew always had to be done at some point in this series, since you know Dragon was a cop and. You know what? What worse place to put him than a jail with a bunch of guys that he thrown that he's thrown in there? You know, exactly. And at the same time, I mean, even the supporting cast got like a lot of room to shine in this. And uh, you know, it's kind of the this year's kind of the slow rise of Malcolm to the you know bold new direction. So right by incapacitating Dragon, it's given the given Malcolm the whole year to really solidify himself. Right. Right. It is good. <laughs> Go back and read the. That's a funny thing. Yeah, I did my homework for this uh, episode too. And if you go back and just read these issues, it's really kind of impressive how many uh, you know plates that it's spinning for a single year. I mean, a lot happens. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you know, like uh, kind of with issue seventy-five of Savage Island, where it's like. Eric kind of racing to tie up all these loose ends to kind of get into the next kind of phase. direction. Yeah, the next phase. And it, I think those kind of, you know, when he's busy wrapping up all these kind of subplots and just getting everything cleaned up, it's like when the most exciting things happen in Savage Dragon, you know? It's like the past 10 years of buildup and just finally getting resolved or, you know, guys are getting killed off or whatever. Yeah, like you said, anything can happen and, and anything does happen. I think if you if we went back like two years back and kind of like were able to look into the future and see all this stuff happening, it would be just amazed of all the stuff that went on. Like just stuff that was so off the radar two years ago that all of a sudden, you know, we're right in the middle of. Right. So I think for me, you know, just start off 
2013, I think it was January 2013, 184 came out. And uh, 184, the inside credits was uh, Gavin was credited as editor for the first time, which I thought was really cool because, you know, we've, I've been kind of friends with Gavin for a long time just from the boards and, and reading Savage Dragon and, and just kind of talking back and forth with him on the message board. So, knowing him as you know the greatest savage dragon fan pretty much of all time and and seeing him get that credit and and getting involved in the book like that you know is pretty cool it's good for him plus it was always kind of unofficial anyway that he was really helpful yeah 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 and it was awesome just to see it like you know official right right <clears throat> so uh my 184 moment um because we all kind of like have our own thoughts on stuff while we're on 184 is just uh, Malcolm asking Maxine out while she's at Hot Dog on a Stick. Which <laughs> hot Dog on a Stick. You love Hot Dog on a Stick. I think it is such a subtle storytelling thing that makes it awesome. Because it's did, just basically, you think about it, it's kind of a humiliating job, right? Did I? It's did Hot we ever, Dog on a Stick. Exactly. Did, did we talk about this on the episode that that's an actual real place? Wait, no, is what? that real? That's, it's a real, um, yeah, it's a real franchise. Chicago, swear, do a Google hot dog on a stick. I swear to God, it's a real franchise, and people wear those goofy ass like costumes for real. You're shitting. No that is insane. That is so insane. That, that makes it even better. That makes it even better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's see, this is the thing is like so we're talking about things that happen in a year, and I'm not going to spoil it, but like you know, this is the beginning of Malcolm and Maxine. Official. That's true, you know, because it seemed like it. it's only been a year, but it seemed a lot longer than that, I guess. Well, Nine Maxine's species. been around longer, but the, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. This is the first time that they have a relationship. So that's my moment, because uh, when they when he asks her out, and it's too, you know, he's you got to understand in his world, he's a quasi-celebrity. He's been on TV. His dad's world famous. And he walks up to the chick at the hot dog and a stick and asks her out. <laughs> it's a class act. Uh I still love just hot dog on a stick and the fact that it's real. I can't believe that it wouldn't be – you know, a hot dog on a stick's a corn dog. So. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe there's a real hot dog on a stick. I thought it was a clever joke. Yeah. When we're done with this episode, you have to go and check it out on the website. It's pretty awesome. We'll do. It's all – like they got all like retro 70s pictures and stuff like that, I think. <laughs> Unless it's not – I don't know. But it's it's mind-blowing. My, my my favorite 184 moment was is a is an action scene when Double Page breaks into the police station. I felt that when I turn when I turn the page to that that it was like a a real callback to a to a classic Savage Dragon trope where you're in the police station and all of a sudden freaks are busting down the door. That yeah, happened all yeah. the time in the old days. And Double Page is such a great looking like weird character that no you know it's just never been kind of done before that i can think of right yeah she's got really cool design and i think there's something really interesting about her design because she's intersected between in through her bellies yeah and if you look at any scene that she any pose that she's in if you if you ignore one half of her and you go to one set of legs, it looks right. And if you go to the other set of legs, it looks right. <laughs> Eric's really doing something, has done some really interesting things visually with her. Yeah. There's also the great joke of having a double page spread feature double page. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that shit's funny. It is funny. And it's cool that it's like she's getting more time. I like seeing reoccurring characters. I, I, 
I gotta admit, it's not my favorite thing when Eric just kind of does throwaway mutants and you never see him again. Right. I, I'm really a fan of like seeing reoccurring like vicious circle guys. Sometimes Eric has a tendency of, of just doing those kind of throwaway mutants that look like scrolls, kind of they got that the weird scroll chin, you know. And it's yep. like, yeah. yep. Like it's like, oh man, you know, couldn't you just thrown a like a kind of a reoccurring VC guy in there, vicious circle guy in there? Unfortunately, so much cooler. Unfortunately, I don't think we've seen Double Page since 184. Oh, keen observation. Hopefully, yeah. we'll see her again. I but I mean, it, right. it has only been a year, and if you think about in that past year, most of the villains that we saw were um, in jail or getting killed, or getting killed by <laughs> Dead Dark. Or dying. So he, yeah. Dead Maybe or dying. Dark could take the God Sword and sever them in half and get two <laughs> villains. <laughs> It'd be a single page. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so moving on to 185, uh, my favorite part about this issue was actually the issue's formatting, the way it does with the I believe it had a six panel grid on top of a one panel every you page. Correct. You are correct. And I thought that yeah. was a very interesting way to tell a lot of information in a very small amount of space. Yeah, and I, I kind of to piggyback on that, my favorite thing was the, the dialogue because this uh, this. This issue was all about Dragon's trial, so in the, months the way that, that yeah, in the way that it was set up, you'd get these you know little nine the squared kind of little mini panels, like nine mini panels a page, which would give you a lot of kind of talking heads dialogue, and then the one bigger panel that covered like a third of the page, which splash panel, yeah, or you know it was it, it was pretty cool the way it was done. I thought the dialogue was well really well written on on this issue. It it definitely was exciting you know more exciting than you would think some kind of like trial issue would be you know and i guess uh, springboarding off of that is um i my moment for this was that uh, i thought the prosecution's closing argument in particular was really good because uh you know he just he, that uh, making that closing argument that dragon was not really a hero and all that good stuff just again the way it was written it's funny because when the panel starts, you know, Dragon sort of has that, you know, whatever expression. Then by the end, even he's sort of shocked by, like, the compelling, you know, argument. Oh, and shit. Just, I'm a supervillain. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's just really well written, you know. It's a book that uh, doesn't always get praise for its writing chops, but there was some fantastic dialogue, and that was my favorite part of that issue. Yeah, the other cool thing that no one really mentioned was uh, we got to see, like, kind of a panel with Alex uh in it in which i know you know it was almost hinted that we'd never see her character appear in the pages again right but um i was happy to see her again yeah it shows her kind of just watching the news on the trial i guess so it's just kind of like a you know just a throw us a quick nod yeah yeah there she is but yeah that was a great issue and i don't get to have two moments but super sweet courtroom sketch cover yeah cover was pretty good (laughs) yeah definitely like you know, Eric with his covers always kind of comes up with something different, and and definitely like in a day and age where it seems like most covers are just kind of pinup covers nowadays, it's mm-hmm. you know, poses Eric's, a team. Yeah, Eric's covers are always pretty damn cool. It really tied in well thematically, and it was an interesting visual. So, which is hilarious because of how far in advance he does his covers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, two months ahead, and like. You know, I don't know. It's yeah, it's good. <laughs> one eighty six. Uh, one of my favorite things. I put this for one eighty six and one eighty seven. I kind of combined the two, but it was the introduction of the next generation of the vicious circle. 
which was like, you know, uh, I guess Open Face Jr. and Waylon Whipple, who was Octopus's son, and Rachel Pyle was Inferno's daughter. And then you had Dumpling and Blossom, the, you know, <laughs> Dung's daughters. And, you know, the one cool thing about them, I thought it was that they don't really have, like, typical, like, supervillain names. They're just kind of known by their names. Right. And, they, like, I just like their attitude. I think, like, they were just, like, kind of, like, piss off to the powerhouse and uh, Flash Mercury when they tried to, like, introduce themselves. And they, they like, Eric kind of writes them off, writes them, like, real, like, teenagers, you know, with insecurities or, you know, it was just, it was just pretty cool. And uh, it's kind of cool to see new kind of reoccurring characters for Malcolm to interact with. This was the issue with the weird coloring, right? I think it was. No, 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 it wasn't. 187, I think, was. You're right. 186 and 187 kind of featured both of the, both featured the kids. Right. But yeah, that was, that, that was a favorite thing of mine to see, you know, this kind of, Eric starting to create characters for Malcolm. Yeah, it's really cool because, uh, you know, they're like the introduced as the next generation. And uh, it is kind of cool to see them dismiss, you know, the older sort of the guard. I don't know if it's a you know indication of direction, you know, sort of putting sillier characters like on the shelf and pushing towards making the book more like, you know, cohesive or whatever. But it was cool to see them, like you said, just sort of, you know, <laughs> dismissing, dismissing yeah. the older guard. Yeah, exactly. I was a little disappointed that, after the uh, the new generation of the Vicious Circle were introduced and they were so interesting, they were basically arrested and like shoved aside, and we haven't seen them again since. Yeah, but you know, I mean, again, it's it's. I mean, when were they arrested? Less than a year ago. I mean, you got to figure the way characters come and go that they'll they'll be back before long. You know, you know, not before too long. Well, I certainly hope so because they are very interesting and they're and they're. Uh, backgrounds are very interesting to me well you never know if their time in the clink will make them more interesting that's true and really are they in jail or are they in like juvenile detention or what you know because they are minors so right 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 my favorite moment for this issue was the completely for me unexpected double page spread which destroyed uh basically sealed the deal for dragon's people yeah yeah that was an intense page to flip to yeah, zero foreshadowing. No yeah, foreshadowing. Had, I, no segue. No. Just boom. flip the page. Boom, everyone's dead. Ship that you've been seeing almost at that point too many times. Getting sick of that ship. Complete. Oh, no, it's gone. Yeah, it's decimated. I thought you guys said shit. Getting sick of that shit. <laughs> ship, as in the Krylon spaceship. Exactly. <laughs> Eating up two pages. I, I had this on my list as well. Um this was huge. I and mean, this is probably one of my favorite moments of the year. Um, like you said, there was no warning. And I think pr- previously you kind of felt like Eric kind of tied that up and wasn't going to revisit that for a while. I mean, he had the Krylons land on, you know, yes. Vanguard's home planet, which had already been decimated. They were going to claim it as their own now. Right. And you figured that he would kind of put that up on the shelf. Okay. You now dragons, people are fine. He's back on earth. We'll deal with that, you know. We'll, we'll we'll go back to them another time, and then, you know, a few few issues later, you, you know, like you said, no warning. You turn the page, <laughs> and boom, is the Krylons torn apart by the Tyranian soldiers. And for the very observant, and I didn't make the connection, but this double page spread had uh, one of the Dragon Sons, 
you know, completely murdered. You didn't yeah, notice I that, didn't that, get was, that either. You didn't, you didn't notice that um, Krull was there? I thought he was just... That was the whole point. Is that, I thought he was just a guy. But he's so yeah, ripped. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. But, I made that same Muscular too. and physically. I realize that now. <laughs> yeah, I thought we talked way. about this on the episode. No, no, I mean at the time. Oh, like, at, at the, the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the time when I read it, I was so squirrel-brained from seeing an entire race destroyed. I just didn't make that connection that that was him. But, like, yeah, that's part of the power of this is it's like everyone's dead plus his son. God damn it, Dragon. You're so bad at this. Shittiest parent ever. It was such an amazing splash, too. Just the colors, like, just, I don't know. It was just gruesome and, like, it's just so shocking. Like, it full bleed, you know, double page spread, just really freaking shocking. The ship just, you know, it looks like it just nosedived into, like, the, the planet and just broke in half. And then we just cut away and we never see any of them again. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and so, that's I mean, so at, awesome. at the end, you see, I guess, Lorella has that transmission to Dragon. If I had to, and we were kind of doing issues and stuff, but I mean, yeah, if I had to boil it down uh, to moments of the year, I would say that's in the top three at least. Definitely, definitely. I, I agree with you there. My favorite moment was when the claw punched Angel out of her clothes because I was just so freaking <laughs> silly. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> the claw was a silly character i mean it, it was kind of i guess came full circle because daredevil was in the book and you know have him fight his biggest villain but you know i, f- I didn't know how to take claw was he going to stick around for a while and then it was like he came and almost as soon as he appeared on the scene he was taken out came and went like a hurricane yeah i gotta be honest he honestly He's probably one of the less memorable plot lines of the year uh, with everything else going on. Yeah, you know, I felt it was just like, again, like just trying to tie it up. Like, Eric, all right, I'm done playing with Daredevil. Let me give him a last hurrah and have him face his villain. And I think the best thing to come out of that was um, Thunderhead's involvement. Yeah. And bringing him back into the book, you know, and getting more of his personality kind of a light shown on that you know i'll agree so uh issue 187 was the one with the uh with the coloring experiment uh how'd you i i how'd you guys dig on that coloring do you guys remember i'm okay with it i don't love it right i think that's what we that's uh, that's what i felt as well um but my favorite moment from the issue in particular was uh firepower telling telling uh, Powerhouse and Flash Mercury off, tell them to get out of town. Just because I kind of felt like that that gives those two characters, who are two of my favorite villains in the book right now, some more, you know, leg room to go do things. Right, right, right. I, um, I enjoyed how every page was, like, a six-panel page. Oh, that's right, like grid formatting as well. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like when Eric does that, because, I don't know, I just feel like he... You get a lot of story in it, and he he he's good at doing these panels and not making it just all talking heads. And and you know you expect to see like six panel pages, not to have much action in them. You know, right. just to be a lot of uh, exposition or whatever. But um, he he manages to just throw a lot in there, and it's pretty fun to watch. And he can fit a lot more 
stuff in these books when he does these smaller panels. You know what I mean? So you can you can flash between reader meter maiden star or, or you know uh, the vicious circle or Malcolm or the police force. There's just a lot going on in this book. In this in this particular comic, so uh, yeah. I I enjoyed the panel layout. Totally agree. These six panel pages, like uh, as much as I love like uh, layout experimentation, uh, it is awesome just to have like a. It makes for kind of a dense read. <laughs> That's yeah. true. You do get more. Really. There's so much going on in this book that sometimes you just need these issues like that. Yeah, to just get the get the character stuff, so you have time for the big double page splashes, fight scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of my favorite issues have been the smaller panels, like that. Which issue was it where it was like one one day a, a month or whatever, or what one day a year or something like that? What was yeah, that issue? It was, started with uh, twenty uh, twenty twenty panels, and then every day it took one away. Yeah, something like that. It was just like basically like a year in the life of Savage Dragon type thing. Yeah, that one had some whack. That one, if I, if it's the one I'm thinking of, that thing has some crazy formatting. Because if yeah. I remember, if I remember correctly, the first page had 20 panels. Yeah, and just kind of subtracted it by one every time. Yeah. And uh, my favorite moment for this issue is again in my top three. Is just this double page sequence of uh, Dung getting dumped in front of his daughters by this woman that we don't <laughs> really know or whatever. But it's funny. And it's also become super sad because at yeah. first you just like the scenario of Dung being in a relationship anyway is really like, you know, hilarious and ridiculous because he's always got flies around him and, you know, he's in a his shit cannon suit or whatever. But then when like she calls the girls not real and they like start crying and stuff, it was funny to me because I was like, wow, you know, I'm I'm emoting for these uh, fecal fecal puppets. <laughs> That's uh. Yeah, that was that whole sequence was pretty, both funny, fucked up, and kind of sad. It was really surprising because you don't expect any kind of like Dung is always kind of a joke character anyway. Anytime he shows up, just given his nature, right? And I thought it was a surprising amount of emotion to put uh, into a sequence with Dung, so because you know he clearly cares for these two girls. <laughs> so as a father, you know, so it's kind of you know I don't know. It was really a good surprise for me. It was just awesome seeing like family life of villains or like just the background of villains. I know that's how like this issue was kind of hyped up. You know, it was like we're going to get a different look at the vicious circle. So that was a cool sequence. And, and to see Dung kind of aging all grayed out and the beard and everything was kind of neat. Dumpling and Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with those two. So, um... 188, Craig, what did you think of it? 188 had, I don't know if I had a favorite moment. I didn't pick a favorite moment for every episode, every issue. Um, well, I'll say, um, I actually, you remember that, that issue opens up with the whole resolution of Wildstar and his mm-hmm. whole con- oh, yeah, con- yeah, yeah. nightmare? Yeah. I dig that stuff. I thought it was, even though it didn't last very long, I just thought it was a really cool way to bring things together and complete whatever weirdness was going on with him over the last 10 years. Whereas I was sort of like, hmm, okay. (laughs) It was necessary. And I still was scratching my head a little bit. And my favorite moment out of there 
was the double page spread where you've got uh, the claw and uh, Daredevil facing off on oh, yeah, pages. Dude. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, that was really awesome. It's good. It uh, it was a great thing because like you know, it's they're sort of face to face. This uh, issue is their final encounter, and in the Savage Dragon book anyway. And uh, you know, it was just a really nice uh, visual touch to you know you flip this out, and it's not a double page spread. There's still like eight panels across these two pages. Right. But you got the claw on the left, all giant. You got the Daredevil face on the right, all giant. It's awesome. Now, did this? Moment. Did this issue have the death of the little wise guys by yep. Dart? Yes, Dart, Dart. That that's was my favorite moment of the issue. Is gotcha? Is Dart just cutting their throats with like no hesitation? Oh, because <laughs> you, know, you that, got the you got the death of Dart and the death of the Claw in this this issue. Death of what little wise guys and the death of the Claw. I mean, what did I say? Dart, Dart. Dart. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, right, right. Claw and little wise guys. So that was a pretty wild issue. It did push that scene. Really did push her up as like a lot more evil. <laughs> She'd already killed one, but then to like stab the uh, like I guess the curly or whatever in the throat, and then like drink his blood or whatever. It's like damn. I got a favorite for uh, one eighty nine. For one time, one eighty nine, and it's probably one of my all time. I'm gonna take a wild guess at what it is. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, you say it. I'm just going to see if I'm right. The the tooth going through your ass's skull. That sounds about right. In your ass. <laughs> that think... was amazing. And I, you know, between that double page spread of the Krylons getting slaughtered and then this last panel, I did not see coming and just dragging just getting a laugh about it. Like he just <laughs> jokes. He's like, you know, I want to get one thing what did he, what did he say? He was like, you know, uh, Ronald Winston, your ass is just kind of like like yelling at a mangled, beat up dragon who just got his ass handed to him in jail, and I apparently, you know, he ordered that to happen, and then he's telling Dragon, you know, get it straight, I'm in charge here, and then Dragon kind of just like, I want you to get one thing through your thick skull, and just Please. shoots his shoots his tooth through his head, and then sits there and laughs about his like own one liners. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely Fantastic. one of the most incredible moments of the year, really. Totally uh, agreed. <laughs> um, and, and you mentioned earlier that this year was kind of a way to start wrapping up things and bringing things back that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Ronald Winston, your ass was brought back during this whole trial arc. Right, right, as right. A, as an antagonist of dragons, and this sort of resolves his story as well. I just want to point out, this. Eric has the best sound effects, and the tooth going through his head is just fup. F-U-P-P, fup. It's matey. It's That's matey. the sound of brains going through the cranium. <laughs> I think we, did we all, in that all of our favorite moments of this issue? It's, yeah, I can't see how it isn't anyone's favorite issue. I mean, it's the savage and savage dragon. The fact that he just enjoys his own one-liner. No one's around. Like, <laughs> no one's around. That's just for him. <laughs> You know, and talking about like killing off major characters, we just talked about how Claw was in the Little Wise Guys were killed in the episode before, and then in this episode, don't we get um, what was the lady that was mutation? Uh, oh, uh, and not, not Helen Black, the other one, Gertie Fun. Was Gertie, it? yeah, she dies. Um, Mutation's depowered, so she's off the table. Helen Black's back. Yeah, what's um, 
Battle Axe. Battle Axe dies. I, I, that was almost one of my moments for the issue. Uh, not so much. Not so much that I wanted her to die. Less. Of, it, it was more of a memorable moment for me because I really didn't want her to die. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought she was too interesting to get rid of. Right, also, right. I almost chose that as my moment because uh, Malcolm makes another like uh, lifelong oh, enemy of his like brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's his What's his little brother's name on that? Barry. Barry. Yeah, that's that's a weird thing too. I almost you almost forget that. His name that Barry. Little, no, no that that, he that little guy is yeah hanging around. There's another like kid dragon. You know, like another chosen one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that is cool. Very close to being my moment of that issue if it wasn't for that one-liner. Yeah. It's hard to beat that. <laughs> so 190, uh, that one that one had a load of good stuff for me. Yeah. But I'll yeah. let you uh, cats go because I think we have some overlap, so I'll just talk about my stuff with you I guys. love the Flash Mercury backup. Oh, yeah. That, that's it. That's one of them. <laughs> yep, definitely, definitely. That is so good. That Flash Mercury backup. I think Jim said it, but I could read a whole book of that every yep. month. Every month. Every month. That is fantastic. For me, it was just it being a Digest version, and it was a tie. It was between the Digest version and just the the Mako kind of dragon fisticuffs that, you know, it's just – it's a classic kind of battle and it's two guys and again kind of dragon gets his ass hand i don't i think we talked about this i don't think dragon's ever really beaten mako no and sadly it's you know looking back we know that's the last time those two will ever fight and it was it lived up to the hype i love the whole jail you know dragon in jail like i said in the beginning of this uh segment dragon in jail is one of my favorite things and it just kind of that whole episode and it being digest, I think the way it read as a digest was just, you know, it gave you more pages to kind of flip and, and see like a surprise on the other side, you know, more setups. Yeah, the, the formatting on that was quite impressive. The way he did it as the dual release. Yeah. That, that, that's got to be very tricky to pull off. And even the backup artists, too, even their backups uh, fit that format. And that. Yeah, Scott James had to adjust his. To, it was to amazing. Fit. And uh, Frank Fosco, and and to have two awesome backups in that 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 issue goes down as one of my favorite Savage Dragon issues of all time. Yeah, absolutely. For the experiment, for the backups, I mean, it was firing on all cylinders. Exactly. I will just say then, since you guys talked, I had a three-way tie of favorite moments for this issue, so. You guys covered two of them, so really I'm left with my one moment that you didn't cover, which was uh, I liked the format and I liked the um, backup, but I also super dug Brenda Funk getting uh, powers as a surprise ending. That's right, from that weird skull shaman guy or whatever he Shao was. Shao <laughs> <laughs> But I just didn't see it coming, because like, yeah, yeah. it seems like it's over, and then you flip the page. Surprise I mean, epilogue. Yeah, like the whole Dread Knight, like, I will slay the dragon. And you're like, oh, let's get into the issue. And then you flip it and boom, there's Brenda Funk getting powers from this guy you've never seen before. Who would have seen her coming back as anything? You know, and I, I want to go back, but uh, 
the one thing I forgot to mention about that whole scene when we talk about 189 about Dragon like spitting the tooth through your ass. The amazing thing about that, I don't know if you remember either Eric talking on the boards or I don't know if we talked to him about it. Was he wasn't even planning on killing your ass until that um, the moment. Yeah, that moment, and he just thought it, you know, it, it just had to be done because in 191 he had Dread Knight on the cover, and I think he, I think I remember him saying it was like a last minute, and he had to make like Osgood Dread Knight because he had already killed your ass off because it was just a p- perfect thing to do. <laughs> so that's kind of a cool. I, I really uh, enjoyed that little uh, antidote. Yeah, I didn't. I mean. Uh... I didn't even realize, but you got to think of like the amount of improv <laughs> to just suddenly make to just to, you know, force it to work real quick like that. Pretty damn slick. Right, right. I should add, since uh, when we first aired this, that I didn't have the digest issue. I did get it after that, and I super love the digest. Like, if he wants to, I know he's not fond of repeating experiments, but if he wants to repeat this one at a later date, I'm okay with that. Me too. I'll double dip. Yeah, yeah. So 191, what'd you guys think? I know mine. <laughs> Go for it. Dudes, Maxine dumps Malcolm. Wah, wah. Super. So with an entire year, you see, like, uh, like I said, 184, they hook up. By 191, they... They uh, break up, and I was like, you know, again, it was just one of those things for, like, surprising amount of emotion because you liked them. They were a good couple. They were a cute couple. You want things to work out for them. You see Malcolm cry. I was like, you know, it's good emotional moments. It it's really draws to a distinction between him and his womanizing old man. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, definitely. And there were a couple – throughout the whole year, there were a couple of pretty good Maxine-Malcolm scenes sprinkled throughout. I think there was a there was a good one in 185, I know for certain. I'm going to say, um, yeah, like and some of those were almost moments except I just chose to stick to like their two most crucial moments. Right. Like the carnival games thing. That one, yep, definitely. The date at the beach, meeting the parents. Those were awesome moments. But, you know, I mean, like I said, if you got to get a punch to the gut moment, you know, Maxie <laughs> dumping him. I was like, oh, man. And the worst part is she's not dumping him for any reason except that her parents don't like him. Yeah. That's that the tragic part about it. Because she's tore up, too. It's not like she's being cold-blooded. She doesn't really want to do it. It's a good moment. It was the moment of the issue. This issue was awesome, but it was the moment of the issue for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Well, my moment's more obvious. I, I really dug Dart confronting Mako for the last time. Very close to my moment too. <laughs> yeah, I felt so. Awesome. I felt that uh, honestly, I didn't see it coming, but it made such poetic sense when it happened. Yeah, that it was yeah. her that put Mako down. Didn't that just wasn't that awesome? That just the way it worked out, I guess. It was such a cool scene too, though. It's like you know the way he like just lunges at her, and it, it looks so menacing, and his mouth's just got her whole hand swallowed, and then she just. Right in half. So gruesome. I thought, I thought she was losing that arm for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I was starting to that myself. I was going, oh, oh, what's what's Eric doing? Is he going to maim Dart this early in her reign? No. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. She so did the maiming. 
for me, um, what I really enjoyed about this issue was um, just all the Vicious Circle characters that showed up. You got that double-page spread, and it's just a mix of old and new, and a lot of guys that we hadn't seen in a while, like Rogue Warrior and Chaos and Control and, uh, you know, Portal, I don't think we had seen for a while, and I totally forgot about him. Or Even the imposter. Yeah, you know, some of these guys didn't even know if they existed in this, uh, you know, Savage World version we see show up. And it's just kind of cool just to, especially that double-page spread, just to see some of these guys again kind of up close and detailed, you know. I always enjoy that. Chaos and Control had reached a Battle Beast-like moment where I was just like, where are they? (laughs) bring them back we want chaos and control and then there they were it was awesome yeah yeah so this you know again you know like i said this whole year has been pretty cool the the jailbreak type stuff or whatever the jail stuff and so much happened in this issue again with crazy deaths like i said every issue and like you mentioned this one was mako's turn but there was also all these little minor guys like portal gets blasted you know a bunch of guys die in this one I even love the backup. Uh, it's not. A, I can't say it's a moment, but I can't let it go without saying I did dig it. Yeah, yeah. Which backup was that? Uh, max Scott damage. Yeah. All oh, the max damage one. Yeah, that was that was pretty cute. Super dug it. It was funny, funny, pretty, pretty. The beginning. My favorite. Yeah, my favorite. I was gonna say my favorite things are that like whenever we have these backups that just tie in continuity with like characters we haven't seen in like ten years. You know. Mm-hmm. Jerry Rivers, what Weed. was uh, Weed? Uh, what was the other guy's name? The environmental guy. What's his name? Oh, jeez, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm like Eric makes it like guys that sh- guys that showed up in Freak Force for like. Oh, it's um major damage. Yeah. No, no, uh, no major no, uh, major something. <laughs> major disaster. Major yeah, disaster, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's max damage, so. Yeah, it was a good backup. Scott James has got a lot of talent. Yeah, and he he works good his style with like Larson's characters. I really enjoy it. But one ninety two, the last one of this amazing year, and what an issue! So much going on in this issue. So uh, take it away. Well, my favorite bit of the issue was just dragging fucking with uh, what's his name. <laughs> Doing uh, the old the bait and switch. Guy. Yeah, the, the priest. Uh, parasol? Yes. Parasol. <laughs> yeah, just, just messing with him. Just like Dragon does. I thought that was incredibly clever. And it, and while he was messing with him, he was basically messing with the audience, which I oh, thought yeah. was cool. That was genius. Because it was thoughts that you as a reader have. You don't want Dragon to die, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we worship him. He is our god. No, that was a, that was awesome. Uh, my mo, I had two. It's I'm cheating again. I'm sorry, but um, the firepower getting killed by darts. Yep, that yeah, was, that's a good one. That was awesome because we'd seen we even joked about it on the FinCast that she used the God Sword so much she should change her name to God Sword. And then <laughs> yeah, the, it was yeah. And then at the end, that was what sealed the deal was the darts. Yeah, that was awesome. The exploding darts to the eyes. So that was, like, fantastic. And it's funny because it's one of those things, too, that, like... And you know it can't be because Firepower has been designed for a long time. But where only his eyes look human. Right. 
and like to get the darts in the eyes, it almost makes it feel like planned from the get go. It's just I don't know, like what a more logical way for him to die than darts to the eyes. Yeah. The other, the other moment was the uh, Brotherhood of the Finn shout out. I was like, what? what yeah, that was pretty neat. <laughs> pretty neat. I um, I'm with you with the whole dart thing. I just like that we finally see her take over as head of the vicious circle. So I'm excited to see where that's going to go. I like how like, you know, it kind of it's a throwback to the the old stories of the vicious circle where it's like you just picture them at the top of some skyscraper somewhere cuz you look in the background they're in some kind of office building and now she's surrounded by what's remaining of the vicious circle and she's like, you know, it's time for the next phase of the plan. <laughs> So she's got all her lackeys around her. So we'll see where that goes. I almost chose as my favorite moment of the issue, Mike Torres's face being on that billboard. <laughs> so close. Mike Torres, the, the flatter for the colors. So close. It was right there. <laughs> moment of the year. Maybe 2014, Mike. Uh so that's yeah. it. That that's all the episode, all the issues nine. in the year. Yeah, nine issues. I mean, it's weird. During the year, it really felt like they were coming out monthly. Mm-hmm. And we were getting like so much, and then we get to the end of the year, it was only nine issues, and we got. And even if though it was just nine issues, it felt like it was just still satisfying. Yeah, so you know, much happened. One thing too to add into like what so much is happening is all the amazing backups we got this year. One backup oh, we didn't yeah. really mention that that much was the Zeke background. I don't know if we mentioned it at all, but Frank Fosco and well, I think we did mention it a little bit, but Gavin writing it and Frank Fosco on art chores was just that's pretty awesome too. So I mean, just a whole bunch of amazing backups with amazing artists and writers and Simon Malit, his. I mean, yeah, the glum, Mr. Glum. But yeah. his glum backup was oof, awesome. I think 184 actually had the final issue of the Vanguard, the final back of the Vanguard serial. I could be wrong. It probably did. Yeah. Thanks, so I we, had, we had that, the Deadly Duo ones, like we said, the Flash Mercury and Powerhouse backup, Zeke backup, Glum backup, just good stuff. More backup than a plumbing on taco night. <laughs> it's good. It was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be hard to top a year off like this for next year. I hope I hope Eric's up to the challenge. You know, well, he's got a lot of room to do it with the whole new direction with Malcolm in charge. So Right, right. Put those backup artists on... Stories that highlight characters that aren't getting screen time. That's your winning formula, it seems. Yeah, yeah. What are those young Vicious Circle kids doing? I don't know, but let's have Scott James draw it. (laughs) Well, you write it, Eric. While we're talking about um, our favorite kind of dragon moments of 2013, do we want to talk about some of our kind of favorites of 2013 that are non-Eric Larson related? Like, what do you... What sure, you I mean, dig? I got... I read comics all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys dig in 2013 that maybe some of our listeners don't know about and might be interesting to them? Well, this has been... I gotta say, it's been a really good year for comics uh, mm-hmm. in general. I've I've found quite a lot to enjoy this year. One of the, one of the surprising hits for me, it's probably going to make everyone laugh, 
was uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man crossover that Archie did through the, throughout the summer. No, mm-hmm. sir, I, I've heard nothing but praise about that. And yeah, was, it was, I want to hear it from you. It was it was <laughs> epic. It was everything I'd hoped it would be. It was just it's just Archie already does a really good job with the Sonic the Hedgehog comic. Mm-hmm. And that's got a huge comic. following, right? I mean, that's up in like how many issues of that are out? Oh, like? Sonic Sonic's up at like two hundred and. It is the longest running video game comic in history. It sure is. What, what is it? What, what kind of sales does it have? Is it? It like used to there? have really, really good sales, but they've been down lately. But not enough to you know cancel it. But mm-hmm. it used to have really impressive numbers. It used to be on the top three, upper top three hundred all the time. I'm hmm. not sure where it falls now, but yeah. it's at issue 256 now. It just passed 250 issues. Wow. Actually, right in the middle of the crossover, because the way they did it was, see, Sonic actually has two titles. It's Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic Universe, and then Mega Man has one title. So what they did was um, four issues of each title as they came out monthly was the next part of the crossover. Okay. So, yeah, so Sonic, for, part one was in, was in Mega Man, part two was in Sonic, part three was in Sonic Universe, so on and so forth, until they did all 12 issues. Uh, it was just really epic. If, if you're a fan of either character or even neither character, because it's really accessible too. Um, there's just this, this one moment towards the end where every single Mega Man robot master shows up. Awesome. Best double, one of the most epic double page spreads I've ever seen. Awesome, <laughs> that's cool. I've heard well, that was good. I've heard the praise. I've heard, and again, sad that I am only speculating on praise, but. The praise I've heard is that it's just good comics anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, Ian Fleming, uh, he writes Mega Man and the Sonic comics. Uh-huh. He writes both. And he is easily the best all-ages writer out there right now. The way he, 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 he manages to make things both friendly for young younger people and, like, makes things matter. Like, he can build suspense properly. Kind of like DuckTales was when uh, Don Rosa was doing those Scrooge McDuck comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be a good comparison, actually. That's yeah. awesome. We need more of that. You know, it's like – it's really cool to hear that like an all-ages book like that can be up in the issue like 250. You know, it's there's no excuses. That stuff can be done. I wish, you know, Marvel and the big two kind of pushed more stuff like that. Yeah, I I'll totally agree. I think the industry absolutely needs more stuff like that. Speaking of kind of an all-ages book, uh, I picked up the Battling Boy trade paperback by Paul Pope. Did you guys I, look at that? I, I didn't, that? but I do like Paul Pope. I didn't know that was all-ages. Yeah, yeah, it's all-ages. It's about It's kind of like about a, a god child that's got to go kind of to Earth to go prove himself. Um kind of like a that came out fun this year. romp yeah 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 I, I mean they've been talking about it for years and years and years you know i think it kept getting pushed back and finally it came out um it's just came out as a collected trade paperback of course you know if you like paul pope's art and really who doesn't it's it's gorgeous stuff um and it's definitely all ages i pulled it um, up on amazon i'm thumbing through it it does look great I know that that was the talk of the town, man. I mean, a lot of people were going super bananas over Battling Boy. I saw a yeah. lot of fan art of it, and it's like new, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just fun. I mean, it's not the story isn't super like crazy or anything like that. It's it's more of an action comic, all ages, and I hope you know it kind of ends on a to be continued type. 
thing. So I hope it doesn't take too long for a second volume, although I think it will take a while. But who knows? Um, yeah, Paul Pope is not the fastest artist. Yeah, I know. It, it's so beautiful. There's, you know, he's fighting goblin guys and fighting, you know, it's kind of almost like a post-apocalyptic world, like Earth that he's on. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a different alternate reality with, you know, weird kind of uh, Monsters. technology. Yeah. You know, I guess the, the sort of Batman character of that Earth gets killed and this battling boy comes down from like a – kind of like a Thor, like a kid Thor is what he's like. He kind of comes uh-huh. down from like a Valhalla where he's <laughs> got to prove himself as a hero before he can return back. You know, it's no, this like is a great. rite of passage. I this. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I definitely recommend it. I uh, I gave it to my best friend for Christmas because I enjoyed it so much. Um. And uh, I recommend uh, you guys checking that out. Sweet, man. Good to hear. What about you, Raven? Well, it's not my most favorite book. I had slim pickings this year because financially I was getting kicked in the wallet all the time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but, um, since I know that me and Jim have an overlapping, this is my non-Larson book of the year. It's not even a book, but we'll get to that. I'll let Jim do the intro. But, like, um, so the only other thing really I'm reading is, like, Walking Dead and Invincible. And I think Walking Dead um, stepped it up a lot in 2013 only because – do you think – do you disagree? <laughs> Continue. No, no, all I was going to say is I just really think it stepped it up. Um, I have felt like it was not at its best. <laughs> Lately. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's got to be hard to keep it up, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, well you say that, but we read Savage Dragon. <laughs> that's true yeah i don't know i i honestly i lost interest not okay i say that like i lost interest but i keep i, I continue to read it i enjoy the walking dead mm-hmm. but I, I i do feel that it hasn't been at its best in a while i mean right around issue 100 i was considering dropping it yeah. just because i was getting to a point where it wasn't engaging me like it used to mm-hmm. but i ha- i hung on to it because it's one of the few books i've read since issue number one okay and, Maybe that's unhealthy, because I know a lot of people are like that. But um, the war arc in particular that, that, that's that been going on for the half of 2013 hasn't really re-engaged me the way oh, I'd hoped it would. Okay. No. So I'm actually considering dropping at the end of the arc. So for me, it's the reverse. I felt that I hated a lot of the other stuff, because it was kind of like not super awesome. Right. But the war arc for me is just picked up the pace. I see. Um, and it comes out two times a month. That helps. Yeah. And um, It that, does come out twice a month now? The yeah, war, they're pumping them out. The war Holy arc crap. is. Yeah. Wow. So that's really sweet for me. And um, I really super dig that it's kind of delivering payoff, whereas the book has felt like it was just not – it never feels like it's spinning its wheels, but like – the main villain and whatnot just seems like way more, way too much of a loose cannon for things to be as okay as they've been for a while. Right. And the war arc seems a bit like, okay, you know, this is really where it should go. So I think it's more ambitious than anything the book's ever done. And that's good. I like to see writers, you know, try to challenge themselves. I think that if you think walking dead is a, you know, a book where, the only thing that ever happens is uh, they think everything's okay, then it gets bad, then they move on, then they repeat. 
you know, the war arc is interesting because it just mixes it up, you know. So yeah. there's there's good stuff. That was uh, not my favorite book. My, not my favorite non-Larson book, but I know I share that one title yeah. with Jim, so I'll let that go for now. Craig, get another one? Yeah, I get a, a bunch. I'm not going to go into super detail like I did with Battling Boy. I'll just throw them out there. And, um, one is, I'll, do the, I'll do the same then. All right. Well, one was Copra, which was Copra. Uh, Michelle Fief's, uh book who we've had on the show. And I probably praise Copra enough that the listeners are <laughs> sick of hearing it. But that, that series ended this year, and um, it was just awesome through and through. I think uh, I think it kind of got Bendis's attention and stuff, and I don't know if you guys have heard, but but he's you know, uh, Fife's been picked to uh, write the new um, Ultimates book at Marvel. Right, that's right. Um, he's doing uh, yeah, Ultimates. Yeah, so just, that's that was, was an amazing just, book. That's What's a big up? step up. I was just yeah. gonna say, I think the entire comic industry agrees with you. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you look at the best best of lists of 2013, and everyone's got that think, book on there. I think there. you got on Time Radar. Magazine's top ten. <laughs> Are you <laughs> serious? Really? Is that true? Or was it? I could have swore it was something big. That's but now good. I can't find a link. I could have swore it was Time Magazine's, hmm. or uh, one of those that do a top ten list every year. I think it was up there with um, Saga was up on the list. I think. And I'm super depressed because the thing is, is that from the moment he did his Twisted Dragon Funnies thing, I was like, "Whoa, this guy's doing something fresh and different visually." Yeah, definitely. And uh, I got my comic guy to get me Zagus. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember- oh no, Copra wasn't on this list. I have my mistake. Okay. <laughs> Zombo was, which was another book I was aware of. They're um, not hip. They don't know what's up. But I just... Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 it's fine. I was just saying that, like, it was such an awesome Cinderella story for me because I'm... My comic guy is normally awesome, and he is, like... uh, The one I was going to is normally super awesome and never would, like, bust readers' chops for what they buy. But he was, like, a dick about Zagus. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, he he was, like, drinking the haterade on it. And I was like, dude, you know... You Just because it was artsy and fartsy? Well, that's the way he was acting, and then I showed it. Because it looked too indie for him? Well, like, yeah, Euro, and I hear these things, Euro, and uh, yeah. two, it's, you know, and people that, like, throw that out like, like a negative, because European comics are the bomb, too. Hell yeah. Yeah. And um, I showed it to some other friends, and they were shitty about it. And I was just like, man. So it sucks that I didn't have money to follow Copra because I was super duper digging what he was doing with Zegas and, uh, and then, like, it's such an awesome Cinderella story just to see this guy that had no distribution. Yeah, and, and like, Bendis is writing about him on forums and, like, all these, you know, I think Matt Faction wrote something about, you know, one of his favorite books. Like, all these guys are, you know, professionals were digging it. And, and, and we knew it. all along. Super validating, that's all. Like, it's, yeah. it's awesome to see someone that you dug what they were doing and also, too, I mean, I'll just tell you guys that a lot of comic artists and stuff, um, they'll throw out all these excuses why they can't do stuff. And uh, I'm always like, well, you know, this is a person who I watched it happen in like a year. You know, he didn't do a Kickstarter. He didn't do an Indiegogo. Nothing against those things. Hell, I used one, you know, but I'm saying like, you know, he saved his money. He did the books through Etsy. 
and through sheer quality of book, it got attention. Right. Yeah. Well, and not only did he like create the books, he, you know, produced, you know what I mean? He put them together by hand, you know, and mailed them out. You know what I'm saying? Like he mailed each, yeah, yeah distribution. Nuts. I mean, nuts. it was just nuts on a monthly basis. Absolutely insane. Yeah. At one point, I actually asked him about doing something for something. And I remember he replied back and he's like, no, nah, I can't. You know, all I can do is this. And yeah. he was, you know, he's yeah. busy. He was taking care of that. And yeah. I was like, all okay. consuming. <laughs> so it's, that is, it's just amazing. And, I, and part of the charm of that, I think he wrote that somewhere was like, you know, I just got to keep going with the flow. And if I don't like something, I can't dwell on it. I just got to keep pushing to the next issue. And that's kind of almost like the old school thought of comics. You know, you just, you know, you, you get it out. You don't dwell on anything and keep redoing it. I think some of these newer artists or some of these guys just aren't happy all the time with their product and they just sit on it and then, you know, things get late and stuff. But if you just kind of let it just flow and just, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know what I mean? And sometimes when you just do that, the book's even better because you just kind of, you let it go and you keep, keep moving them. It attains a, like a liquid quality that you can't get by polishing something too much. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's not to say that it lacks polish. I mean, his work's freaking amazing. But that's just to say that it has a uh, quality that you're not going to get by refining something over and over again. Right. right, right. All right. Well, Jim, I lied. I said I was going to go through them quick, and I just totally <laughs> chewed up a bunch of time with that. So real quick, the other, the three other things I want to just talk about didn't necessarily come out in 2013, but I bought them and read them in 2013. <laughs> the Fantastic Four Omnibus Volume 2, which was sold out like – five years ago or six years ago when it came out and went for huge bucks on like eBay and whatnot. They Marvel actually did a reprinting of that uh, second printing, which was awesome. So I snapped that up. Um, I also, my, my comic book store had this big sale on all the omnibuses and I got the John Byrne omnibus, fantastic four omnibus for like, I think it was like 40 bucks or 30 bucks, something ridiculous. And I love I know I think Eric cracks on John Byrne's Fantastic Four run a lot, but I love that run. Um, and then I got volume three of the Steve Ditko archive books from Fantagraphics, which are freaking awesome. Um, I already had one and two. Um, I think what there's exactly five. Do those, what do those reprint? Those reprint all of like – I think it's like – I don't know if it's EC or whatever. It's all like his horror and like – suspense comics from before. Oh, okay. Is that something on public domain or is they just is it licensed? I don't know if it's licensed. I really I'm I'm not sure. But it's all his work like kind of before the Comics Code Authority. Right. And you look at his art, like take a look at like volume one I think is the best volume. I think they, they put all the best stuff in that. His horror book from the archive. It's Steve Steve Ditko archives from Fantagraphics. Look at volume one. And look at his art in that, and it blows away all of his amazing Spider-Man stuff. It's amazing. It's like uh. really creepy stuff. Like the stories are – they're these little short five to eight-page stories, and that volume one got me hooked. I mean I wasn't – I like Steve Ditko, but the more I, I collect of his and read, the more I like. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. I, I don't have a lot of familiarity with the guy outside of his – you know. Spider-Man run. I'm in the same boat. I know he's a legend, but I just haven't had enough. I know he's a legend. I know he's a recluse. Yeah. Well, go on like Amazon and look at like the sneak preview of like 
you know, especially volume one, take a look at that. Like the faces of these characters, the details and stuff, they're so good and creepy and like his monsters are so creepy. It's so awesome. I got a, I, I get a kick out of it. So Definitely that's it. Check it I, out, man. I'm not going to uh, hog up any more. Uh, well, just for me, just real quick, Astro City came back in 2013. Okay. And I love me some Astro City. Yeah, yeah. That has been excellent all year. And it was the whole team, wasn't it? Like uh, Kurt or Alex Ross on covers. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's Alex Ross and uh, Kurt Busick. Kurt, Kurt Busick and uh, the other guy who's always there. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible. No disrespect. Yeah, uh, uh, Jason, what is it? Amazing Pants. Anderson, that's his name. It's. Uh... Oh, I thought it was Amazing Pants for sure. No, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, Kevin, uh, <laughs> damn it. I'm pissed. I'm going to find it. And they put the credits at the back of the issue. Buffoons! <laughs> you just scared the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, Brent Anderson, yes. The guy who did Rising Stars as well. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That guy. It is weird yeah, to see that come back. Oh, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's Busick's pet project. He always wants to do it, but it's always just tough scheduling-wise. Because he's got so much you know, paying work to do. Uh-huh. And Alex Ross is cover artist these days, and I don't know, but it's good. It's been back, and it's been excellent, and it's been everything I, think, I ever wanted. I think that's what throws me off from collecting it. That it, it seems like it comes out. Well, this is randomly. an series, and it's hit every. It's on issue eight, and it's hit every publication month. So, I think it's going to stick around this time. Sweet. I know it was a book that got nothing but praise back in the day. I liked everything I read of it. I never stayed issue for issue with it, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's cool that it's back, man. I'll grab it and trade. Yeah, I I started collecting it when I got into comics back in 2001. I got caught up then, and I've been following it whenever it comes out since. And So it's been good to have it back on a monthly basis. But moving on, uh, other good comic from last year was Think Tank. Which is a... I saw that, yeah. Is from... um, uh, it comes out of Top Cow. Okay. It's written by uh, Matt Hawkins. I believe he's done some other stuff with like Cyberforce. But what Think Tank is, Think Tank is like um, real world te- uh, military technology applications uh-huh. taken to its most terrifying conclusion. <laughs> but played for like really, really realistic. Like right now, like World War Three is brewing in like a really realistic way. With like through like um, gene targeted super viruses and drones and that sounds that sort horrifying. Of thing. Yes, well, yeah, it is. It's, it's a fascinating <laughs> read. This does not uh, sound entertaining in the least. Oh, it's entertaining. Its lead character is a smart is a, is a smart ass. You'd like him. Okay. He's, I think he's, he's calling geni- you a smart geni- ass. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he's a genius level uh, uh, inventor who gets hired. Who gets. Um, Basically hired by the United States government to like do whatever the hell he wants, and whatever he does, they weaponize. And he has no conscience until then. He he discovers he has one. He's the blonde guy on the covers, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. But um, it's a good book. Uh, it's actually next issue will conclude its first quote unquote season, right. and then one of the big problem. Well, it's not really a problem. One of the big problems with selling the book is that it's black and white. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And as you as you can imagine, that doesn't lead to sales. <coughs> so Never heard relaunching Walking the book dead. in color, which <laughs> hopefully will help things. But I'm gonna miss the black and white. Oh, so they are going color. 
Yeah. I can tell you, profits-wise, ouch. <laughs> yeah. It's so much cheaper to make a black oh, and white book. Kill, yeah, yeah, I bet. But uh, other books, Fables has been good. Transformers Regeneration 1 has been awesome. It's going to be concluding issue 100 a uh, month or two from now. Uh, Saga has been excellent all year. But really for me, and this is the big thing, 2013 was the year of Weekly Shonen Jump. Mm-hmm. I picked, I picked it. It has a digital edition, of course, and I just got my iPad back last January, and they had an app, and they they published Weekly Shonen Jump in North America, digital only. The thing what got really got me on board was the fact that every issue is only one dollar, and you get like three hundred pages of content. It's the most extreme deal in comics today. Wow. Yeah, it's it's cheap, and you get even if fifty percent of it is crap. You still get your money's worth. And you know, don't you find that uh, weekly comics is such an amazing, like, appropriate feeling for comics? Yes, I do. It and is so much better than monthly. I, I haven't mentioned it, but I, 2000 AD, which I always talk about, has been going strong. I've been reading that weekly since 20, 2004. So more weekly comics in my diet is just very, very cool. Oh, yeah. And Weekly Shonen Jump is full of comics you may have heard of, like One Piece and Bleach and ugh, Naruto. <laughs> um, and, to- uh, and Toriko is really good. But what what? But the comic that really, really, really captured my imagination and I'm is on- a comic. It's, it's called One Punch Man. I'm on board with you, Jim. <laughs> One Punch Man is a super. It, it, it's almost the perfect mix of American and Japanese style superheroes into like this one thing, but it's played for comedy. The main character, his his ability, quote unquote, is that no matter how big the challenge or how dangerous the villain, he always defeats them with one single punch. <laughs> and like I said, it's 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 based. It was originally a web comic that got got picked up by this artist. I think his name's One, or I'm mixing that up with the writer. One was the writer. One's is the it, writer. Is it an American comic or no? No, this is a Japanese comic oh, from right. Japan. Web comic, yeah. Even even it's... more. And if I don't know if you uh, knew this, Jim, but it's out there for you to read still the web comic, and it looks like it's drawn in MS Paint. Yes, yes, it is very crudely drawn, which is what's so amazing about the actual comic comic version is that the artwork is just so detailed. And that artist is uh, from iShield 21. That guy. Which is a uh, football. It's a comic from Japan about American football. And uh, that is one of my most favorite comic series of all time. And it's purely because of the amazing presentation they bring. That guy's detail is insane, next level. Like, he is one of the best artists in the world. And uh, I mean, I don't even hesitate to say it. And uh, for him to be drawing this thing that was previously a webcomic and looked like it was drawn in MS Paint. And if you read the way you should read is read the comic, the proper, like the one with the read the one with the good art first, then go back and look at the webcomic. And it's amazing because he's an amazing artist, but he still used that guy's layouts. Hmm. Really? Yeah. He's interesting. He would every now and then he'll add more panels and stuff for action and stuff. But if you do like shot for shot comparisons, he used the original like uh, authors uh, layouts and stuff too. So it is 
kind of like an axe cop scenario. Right. It's almost exactly like that, really. The way it's played. It's played it's like it's got it's played straight, but the comedy is sort of like always bubbling up from 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 underneath. It's it's got a lot of puns. Mum and Ryder is probably the greatest character ever created. <laughs> Mum and Ryder, those who don't know, Kamen Ryder is a very popular Japanese superhero from the 60s. Mumin is a word that means you have no license, so you, you don't drive cars. So Mumin Rider is a guy who drives a bicycle for justice. Yeah, <laughs> justice is his bicycle. <laughs> and it seems like, but what's so funny is like, uh, and a testament I think to the good writing the series is that joke character has one of the strongest moments. <laughs> like, he sure does. It's so good. I'm not even going to spoil it. I'll just say that I'm right there with you, Jim. And uh, there is for folks that want to like uh, search for it. There's a lot of like a lot of fan support for this, even here in the like. I want to say that like. Uh, Oh, gosh, I don't know his name. But uh, there's, like, uh, awesome, all kinds of awesome American artists and stuff uh, dig on this One Punch Man. Uh, I know Owen Genie of uh, Glory, uh, he digs it. Yeah. Um, there's just I thought so Brandon many... Graham was talking about it at one point or something. I wouldn't be shocked. I th- think he, will, he, he did. I think I got a blog post about it at one point in the past. I can't remember the details. It's just really good. Um, it is really good, and the and the most amazing part about it, which worried me from the beginning, is that its premise is so goofy. You have a superhero who, no matter what he comes up against, he defeats with one punch. It never wears its premise out. Nope, it's amazing. Uh, that's part of the skill. You'd think you'd get tired of that. It ta- they take it good places. It seems really weird and like, uh, is this uh, how con- how good can this stay? Like the first thing people think when you tell them about it is how like, how can that stay interesting for long? How you how can you sustain that concept? It's good. It's I think I think Savage Dragon fans would dig this a lot. The monster well, design alone, just only for the monster designs. Yeah, and the hero designs. They I just keep getting thrown at you. So you say this is like a free web comic or? Well, it's the the web comic is of course in Japanese, which I don't believe has been translated. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think so. If you were but, to Google it, you could find it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But One Punch Man, the manga, is published in Weekly Shonen Jump uh, every other week, and translated and legal digitally. Yeah, I would say support it legally if you can. Um, if you just feel like trying it. You know, um, my thing is, is that I support that guy any way I can as soon as they get those volumes because they've got like five volumes out over there. Really? Yeah. And if they come over like here, like they've got my money, read it or not, like I want it to own. So, yeah, it's it's super killer good. Um, the art and the story both. They, You know what is I see thrown around with it, too, is it's decompressed superhero stuff. Well, there is some decompression to it. There was that whole bit with the asteroid that stretched out a little bit too long. But I think overall it, it keeps itself moving. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also making fun of some of those conventions, which I think gives it some you know more subtlety, subtle meta humor. It's good. It's really impressive. And uh, considering its uh, bizarre origins as like an MS Paint webcomic that was just getting millions of hits a day, it's another Cinderella story. Like I love to see success – 
you know, come to someone. <laughs> Imagine you're this person that has a good story to tell but can't draw so good. Nope. And then, like, one of the best artists, like, producing, like, is like, hey, let's team up. And you're like, yeah, what? Yeah, cool. <laughs> it's good stuff. Really neat. So, yeah. Yeah, it was been a good year for comics. Really exciting times. Cool. So 2014 we... looks like it's going to be another pretty good year. It's the year of two, issue 200 on Savage Dragon. That's true. <laughs> Dragon's going to be good. Invincible is gearing up to be really awesome. Oh my! I haven't God. read the late, I haven't read the latest issue of Invincible. I'm behind. I'm not oh, going to spoil that. Amazing! Don't holy, don't spoil it. It's so amazing. Holy cow! That's all I'll say. Huh? Image has got a. Go ahead, sir. No, I was just going to say. I thought also Invincible was getting treated like a redheaded stepchild. Whoa, he brings it together. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you, did, on the same topic, did, did either of you guys read uh, the, the Tech Jacket miniseries? I haven't yet. I, I want to. It's really to. good. Yeah, I, I, I definitely got to do that. I don't have like an iPad or anything like that. I don't really want to yeah, read it, it, it And it is digital only, unfortunately. Yeah, which I, I know he said cool. he's going to collect it at some point. Oh, I'm sure. It's like uh, produced to be collected, really. But I think I can still you can still read Comicsology stuff for it. Actually, <laughs> yeah. doesn't Image isn't Image selling it on their website? Yes, Image sells all of their comics, their new releases directly in PDF or CBR format. Yeah, so, so I can just get it to... that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna Sweet. have to. I'm gonna have to wait for like a slow comic week, and I'll buy them. Every cool. month has one. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, comics are cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, next episode, hopefully, if the stars align, we'll be talking about Savage bold, Dragon 193. Bold new direction. You might even call it a new beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Raven. It's the ultimate jumping on point for new readers and a bold new beginning as Malcolm Dragon takes over the title role from his famous father. Malcolm Dragon's not your typical teenager. He lives in an apartment by himself in downtown Chicago. He's a junior who's just transferred to a new high school, and he's trying his best to fill the shoes of his father, the Savage Dragon, fighting the forces of evil in the Windy City. New dangers, new adventures... Get in on the ground level of a whole new Savage Dragon. Oh, that's so awesome. I think the funny thing is that you probably read that already before. Like, like twice. <laughs> I read it in the uh, WB goofy sitcom style, so I thought... <laughs> Tune in, Fridays at 8. <laughs> Malcolm Dragon's not your typical teenager. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's how you did it He before. lives in an yeah. apartment by himself in downtown <laughs> yeah. Chicago. <laughs> you totally did. I His neighbors like just won't stop dropping in. <laughs> Steve Urkel lives next door. <laughs> oh, God. It's good. Yeah. It's going to be good. I'm super excited for this bold I'm new stoked. direction. I am stoked. Yeah, and I think as of as the recording of this, uh, we should probably see it two weeks after we you know, February 19th. Today, so. It'll probably come out close to when this is getting put out, so we'll probably have a couple of fincasts c- close together to make up for the. Kind so of get your trivia answers in quick. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's it's a good that's a, a good thing to bring up. Um, get them in quick, uh, so that we can keep moving and uh, don't 
don't forget to send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com and send your uh, letters or any other comments you want to make. Maybe. Uh, what are your favorite Savage Dragon moments? Yeah, yeah. What's what's your favorite moment of 2013? Let us know. We'll uh, we'll read your uh, letter on the next episode. Sweet. So I think that wraps it up. That wraps it up. Wraps it up like a Jimmy hat. <laughs> Jeez, Raven. We don't know what that is. It's good to have you back. <laughs> just that's just meaningless slang. What's a Jimmy hat? Exactly. I, I thought that was a. Apparel for one's noggin. I thought you were going to say knob. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, we're out. See ya. Have a good one. The Savage Vincast is hosted by the Gutter Trash Podcast Network, which can be found at guttertrash.net. The Savage Vincast is proud to be members of the Comic Addiction Family of Podcasts and the Comics Podcast Network, which can be found at comicaddiction.net and comicspodcast.com. Uh-huh.